Here we are again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that confirmation. <laughs> I was worried there. You were kind of hesitating. <laughs> well, I didn't know <laughs> you wanted a response. <laughs> and you're still dealing with some time issues. Yes. I was going to ask you to please at least get some stupid criminal stories or something together for this week. So we could get you back into the mix. Yeah. But I have too much to cover tonight, so... Okay, I was going to we'll say... have to wait until next week. I don't remember hearing requests for that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I held off because this story I'm doing is was kind of a messy thing. Okay. But next week. Yes. Okay, great. I was looking for some states we haven't visited yet. But that didn't work out too well because I ended up in West Virginia... And we have been there before when we talked about the Mothman and the Silver Bridge. Yeah. We need a map. Yes. <laughs> we have to have a map with the pins in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Mothman is from Point Pleasant. Well, I don't know if he's from there, but that's where, <laughs> that's where they celebrate him. Yeah. That's in the northwest part of the state, up near Ohio. Yeah. Right on the border, matter of fact. But tonight we're going to go further south near the Virginia border, where I thought we could talk about Lake Shawnee, or the Lake Shawnee Amusement Park, huh? which is outside of Princeton in Mercer County. A couple things before I get into it. First, for visualization, when I say lake, it's more of a pond. <laughs> Technically, it might be considered a lake. By definition. Yeah. But it's really just a big pond. So I don't want you to be thinking about this big lake. Right? Yeah. I think you could probably throw a stone over it. That's, how <laughs> That's small a pond. It is. Yes. <laughs> Second, this story was a bit of a mess. So you'll have to bear with me while I try to break it all down. Okay. All right. I think the first time I heard of the Lake Shawnee Amusement Park was probably on the Travel Channel show, The Most Terrifying Places in America. Yeah. Is now, that the one that looks like Freddy Krueger? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I think about every time I see that. <laughs> now, as you know, I don't watch too many of those paranormal investigation shows. Yeah. I'm not a big fan because I think a lot of it is, I don't know if staged is the right word. For show? For show, yeah. Yeah. Produced for ratings. Yes. Yeah. Exaggerated. Yes. We can come up with a bunch of answers <laughs> <laughs> for that. I don't so know why. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't normally watch ones about topics that I am going to be talking about. But with this story... It has been covered on so many of those shows. Really? Yeah. So I decided to track down as many of them as I could find and watch them all. Oh, my gosh. 
But first, let me start with the history of the land, the best I could determine as factual. Yes. In 1775, Mitchell Clay, a wealthy tobacco farmer and slave owner from Eastern Virginia, purchased 800 acres of land in Mercer County, West Virginia. Just for perspective, that would be about a little over a square mile of land. Jeez. So big, big plot of land. Yeah. He, his wife Phoebe, and their children were said to have been the first European settlers in that area. Hmm. They had a total of 14 or 16 children. Oh my God. Yeah. But I'm not sure if that was when they moved there or if that was the grand total. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Poor Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> From what I could gather, there were no Indian settlements in that area at the time the Clays moved in. Yes. The Shawnee Indians did inhabit the surrounding area, predominantly in central Ohio and neighboring states along the Ohio River. But it is said that they only passed through the area of the Clay settlement while hunting. Now, I do want to stress that this is the reported history slash events. Yes. Certainly a messed up time in history, so who knows? Yeah. It is reported that one day in the fall of 1783, Mitchell Clay and his two oldest sons went out hunting. Two of his boys, Ezekiel, 16, and Bartley, 17, stayed behind to work on a fence around their fields. As reported, Shawnee Indians passing by fired a shot and killed Bartley on the spot. His sister Tabitha rushed to his aid but was stabbed repeatedly and also died. Oh, wow. The Indians scalped the two and then kidnapped Ezekiel. Upon returning, Mitchell Clay gathered a posse to pursue the Indians. It is said that they went 150 miles into Ohio before catching up to them, but by that time it was too late. Ezekiel had been tortured and burned at the stake. After that, Clay moved his family back to Virginia. Now, fast forward to the 1920s. Businessman and entrepreneur Conley T. Snido purchased the land and built an amusement park, which opened in 1926. Hmm. The park featured a Ferris wheel and a swing ride. So those are the rides where you have that chair on yeah. the long chain <laughs> and it goes around and it swings you out. Yeah. Those are the two big rusted rides that are still there today. Oh, wow. The park also featured a swimming pool, racetrack, concession stands, dance hall, a fishing hole, paddle boats, canoe rides, and cabins for overnight stays. Jeez, that's a lot. Yeah, so quite a bit there. Yeah. The park closed in 1967. I read different reasons for it closing, but I don't think it's really important, so I didn't dig into that too deep. The park remained abandoned until 1985 when Gaylord White, a former employee at the park, purchased the land with plans to reopen the park. Hmm. He did manage to reopen the park briefly until 1988 when it closed again. While bulldozing a section of the property in 1988, 
the White family started uncovering Native American pottery tools, arrowheads, etc. Oh, wow. They contacted Marshall University and a team was sent out to do an archaeological dig. Along with various artifacts, they found bones. Oh. I read different numbers of how many skeletons were found, but I believe it was around 21. Oh, and geez. Yeah, and 13 of them were children. Oh, sad. Yeah. My understanding was that they did not completely es- excavate. <laughs> excavate the area. I imagine deciding not to disturb the burial site. Yeah. But they believe there are more remains than what they uncovered. Oh, wow. Currently, the amusement park site is used for guided paranormal tours and different events around Halloween. Hmm. Wouldn't that kind of be disrespectful? Yeah, I don't know if they don't use that part of the the land. Yeah. Because it's all just open field now, Um, that part. So I'll explain that part of it. Okay. Gaylord White passed in 2010, and one of his sons died of a heart attack, I believe in 2015. The son was 51 at the time. Gaylord's wife, Jewel, still lives on the property. Oh. Their other son, Chris, helps to run the events that they host. Hmm. So that's the history, pretty much. Now, the reasons why the property is most likely haunted. Of course, as I've already mentioned, there is an Indian burial ground. Yeah. So there's that. That'll do it. Yeah. And, of course, the death of the clay children. But, unfortunately, there are more deaths. Oh. One was not on the property, but it was related. In 1927, Snido's three-year-old daughter, Eloise, was killed at the hotel where they lived. It was said that she was rushing for the elevator and grabbed the floor of the elevator as it was going up, but it pulled her up, crushing her. Oh. I know elevators weren't as safe back then as they are today. Yeah. But that seems really unsafe. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. At the park, there were two what seemed like pretty well-documented deaths. In 1961, six-year-old Wayne Harm went swimming with his family. Somehow, he went under unnoticed by the pool full of people until someone swimming down at the bottom brushed up against him. They went up to get a lifeguard, but by that time, it was too late. They couldn't grab him? Well, the person couldn't grab them? I, I don't know. I just... Maybe they freaked out and just went up or something. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. On July 3rd, 1966, John Richard Tolley, who was 11, drowned when he got stuck in the drain of the pool. Oh. I'm assuming they're talking about those filter drains that have the suction. Yeah. I did read another vague account of a boy drowning after a canoe capsized but I could not find any real details, so not sure if it was an altered version of these other drownings. Yeah. A lot of children. Yeah. A park. Well, yeah. Yeah. But even, like, with the burial ground and stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah, there does. And then the children of 
play. Yeah. Does seem to be a theme there. Yeah. Now, this next death happens to be the most popular story of the park. The most popular death story seems kind of morbid. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) But I'm not sure how else to put that. I don't know if I'd want that to be my reputation. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the marquee story of this park that everybody talks about. But I am suspicious about whether it is actually a true story Hmm. or an urban legend. It's interesting. Yeah. I'll explain why, but first... The story goes that a little girl was riding on the spinning swing ride. A delivery truck backed up into the path of the swing, and the little girl struck the truck and died. Oh my gosh. I also read variations where the truck slipped and slid into the path. The first thing that made me suspicious was every account I read was very vague. Yeah. Nobody was offering any details about the girl or when it actually happened. The time frame of her death was always different. It occurred in the 40s. It occurred in the 50s. It occurred in the 60s. One article I read said they confirmed the story with a newspaper article, but they still only said a little girl and that she died in the 50s. Yeah. So not only did they not say where they found the article, but they didn't provide any details that you would expect from an article. Yeah. So that was suspicious. Yeah, that's weird. The next thing that raised my suspicions was the episode of The Dead Files. So that's with Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi. Deshavi was talking to a local historian, Pat Smith, She was talking about the deaths that had occurred in the park, but she never mentioned the little girl. Hmm. Now, of course, assuming the local historian was legit. Yeah. You have to start wondering. And that was actually the only show that I had watched that did not mention that particular story. With what time I did have this week, I dug around trying to find an article or something. Yeah. No luck, but I will keep checking and we'll let you know if I come up with anything that disproves my suspicions. Yeah. It is strange, though. Yes. Yeah, I really don't know what to make of that because that's always been the marquee story. And, of course, it's a very sad story, right? Oh, yeah. And I don't want to disrespect the little girl if she actually existed and died. Yeah. But it is suspicious. So just, yeah, just kind of messed up situation. Going back to that episode of The Dead Files, Deshavi also dug up a murder that occurred on the road near the park in 1935. 25-year-old James Craft Belcher was dating 19-year-old Myrtle Taylor. James's grandparents actually owned the property in the early 1900s. Not sure if they owned it at this time. Yeah. On May 11, 1935, James saw Myrtle having dinner with another man. After confronting her, he forced her to leave and forced her into his car. He pulled over somewhere along the property. They got out of the car and he shot her twice in the head. Jeez. 
blood, she was still alive. And he drove her to the hospital where she died a few hours later. Why would you, first of all, obviously it's wrong to do that to begin with. Right. But then driving her to the hospital? Yeah, I don't, obviously messed up, right? Oh, yeah. At the trial, he actually tried the insanity plea. Oh, my gosh. Of course. Yeah. But the jury didn't buy that, and he went to jail, and he died at 85 in 1993. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, in the show, Deshabi said, it's a shame he didn't hang, which is exactly right that he should have died for his crime yeah. of murdering her and not living his life in prison. Well, yeah. 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 In my opinion. <laughs> well, I mean... That's my opinion too, but it's good that he didn't get away and yeah. didn't get the insanity play, like or, the easier way out. Or get out in 20 years or something, yeah. As far as the hauntings, even with the questionable story, enough seems to have happened on the land that it certainly is a creepy-ass place. Yeah. The Whites do have a small monument near the Indian burial site, and like I said, that's all open field. Yeah. I'm not sure. Nobody said anything about whether they're even allowed to do anything there. I would assume with a burial site that they wouldn't be allowed. Yeah, that just seems wrong. Yeah. But they do have a, a little monument there where people can leave offerings. Oh. It is believed that the Native American spirits are not happy with people being on the land. So people leave the offerings to show that they are willing to give back and not just take. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Jewel, who again lives on the property, says she has experienced objects being moved in her home. So she will put something down, leave the room for a moment, come back, and the object is moved somewhere else. Yeah. She also said that she has seen a full-body apparition of a Native American. Oh, wow. A tall seven to eight foot dark figure in what appears to be robes has been reported numerous times. Hmm. In that Dead Files episode... Hate to keep quoting this episode, but <laughs> Amy Allen said that she felt it was not human, but it was something that was there wanting to protect people. Oh. So not sure what that would be all about, but good thing it's there. Yeah. And what is it protecting them from? Right. Well, seems like there's a lot of spirits on that land. Yeah. And maybe not all of them good. That's true. I can see them being angry. I saw one mention of people seeing a person in one of the upper buckets of the Ferris wheel. Hmm. They just want a nice view. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people mention feeling like they are constantly being watched as they are walking around the property. I want to say that wouldn't be surprising. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to disrespect what they're feeling either. Yeah. I don't want to dismiss the feelings. Because I imagine I'd probably feel the same way. Yeah. But if it were me personally, I would definitely question, is it because there's a spirit or because I know the history of the area? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Chris White's son has said that he hears somebody walking behind him sometimes uh, in the field. Ugh, no. <laughs> And that he'll stop and then he'll hear a couple more steps behind him before that stops. No, I don't like that. Yeah. How does he just like casually stop? <laughs> <laughs> I 
Where do, how else do you stop? Right? No, but I mean, like, well, I mean, I'm oh, without sure it was, freaking out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess <laughs> no. if it's happened enough times, you just learn that they're not going to hurt you. But I would just start running. <laughs> yeah, but then I'd probably freak out more that I hear steps behind me <laughs> <Yeah>. running. <laughs> there was also mention of seeing a dark figure on the perimeter of the property along like the fence and stuff. Yeah. Not sure if that's the same seven to eight foot dark figure or maybe it's the woman or the guy yeah. who died. Pat Smith, the historian I mentioned, grew up in the area and visited the park when she was young. Oh. She said that when she was five, she was swimming. It sounded like in the lake, not like an actual pool. And she felt something grab her leg, which she said felt like a hand. Yeah. And it pulled her under. Oh. Her father actually had to grab her by the hair to pull her back up. And the reason I say it sounds like a leg because she said she felt like she was being pulled into a hole. Oh. She's convinced it was a paranormal event. Yeah. That sounds scary. That's like one of my big fears of being in water is something grabbing my foot. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'd be swimming around in a lake. No, yeah. thank you. Not a <laughs> pond. <laughs> Not a pond. <laughs> that was it for the hauntings. Definitely a creepy place. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's because it seems overhyped because there's so much discussion about it. Yeah. But I'm not questioning at all that the place could be haunted. Yeah, no. But I'm also not sure if I'd want to visit either. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it'd be kind of interesting, but I think out of respect, I probably wouldn't. I don't know. Something about going to an area where there's an ancient burial ground. Yeah, that would be one one good reason is not going there to... Make them upset and uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know. Just a, just, just a weird place, it seems like. Yeah. One final thing I did want to mention. One of the shows I watched was Portals to Hell. So that's the show with Jack Osborne, Ozzy Osborne's son. Oh. I don't think you've ever seen the show. No. But I, I try to um, keep hell out of my daily life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On this particular episode, this was season two, episode 17. He had Heather Taddy on the episode with him. She was in that show, Paranormal State, which again, I don't think you saw that. That was, yeah, I think you were pretty young when that show was on. Yeah. During the show, they're at the swings. They placed a REM pod on the ground. So that's one of those, you know, detectors. I know you've seen those. Yeah. Where it lights up and stuff. Yeah. Trying to communicate with the little girl. Yeah. Don't even get me started on ghost hunting gadgets. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that for another episode. But. Yeah. Anyway, Osborne is offering the spirit gifts for triggering the device. And he blows up a balloon, bouncing it back and forth in his hands, and then it accidentally gets away from him and falls to the grass, and it pops. Now, I showed you this video. Yeah. But they're acting like, how did this pop? (laughs) You know, playing it like it's something supernatural might have happened, right? Yeah. The camera zooms down to the remnants of the balloon, and right next to it is what appears to be, to me. Yeah. A clear push pin. Yeah, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah. One of those pins that goes into a corkboard. Yeah. 
Now, one could argue that the pin was there and they didn't know about it. And coincidentally, the balloon just happened to fall right where the pin was. And nobody noticed it (laughs) at the time or during editing. Yeah. Whatever. But it is suspicious. And to me, as soon as anything suspicious occurs, it kind of throws everything into question. Yeah. I get that. So that was kind of disappointing. Again, season two, episode 17. The scene is at about 26 minutes, 43 seconds. And it is replayed at about 35.56. Just want to throw that out there if anybody wants to check it out. Kind of disappointed in that. Yeah, it does go by quick. So it it blends in well if you're not looking for it. Yeah. I guess kind of disappointed, but not really surprised. Yeah. But I was watching the show thinking, wow, he does put on a good show. But maybe that's it, a good show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Stop there before I get into any trouble. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Anything? I just want to mention, I probably mentioned this before, how that being a ghost and moving things around in people's homes is the most harmless yet chaotic thing I think a ghost could do. And it's funny to me. You think they're doing it to be... I would. <laughs> like I mean just because they can and they they know they're pissing you off but yeah. They're just having fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's like a less scary way to think of it. I guess if that's the extent of your ability to alter the physical world. Yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's like not any important documents or anything. Do you think if you could move something like that, that you could, like, flick them in the forehead. That would be so funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, could you imagine walking around in your house and you just, like... Flick, flick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I wonder if you can, like, train them. Train the ghost? No, train the humans. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, as a ghost, flicking them when they do something bad. <laughs> <laughs> That is interesting. Uh, Have to come back and try that out. Yeah. (laughs) That's so morbid. Yeah. Okay, anything else? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's see, anything. Um, I guess since we were talking about the history, total respect for the Shawnee Indian tribe. Yeah. Again, reporting the history as I found it. Yeah. Not sure if that's the total truth. Yeah. All right, wrap it up before I get in trouble. Thank you very much for joining us. Make sure to visit next week for more weird and creepy stories. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 12past3 or email us at podcast at 12past3.com. Good night. Good night.